0: To a special basketball postseason edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Podcast. My name is Matt Timonini. I'm joined by Gene Ross. We are just minutes after one of the most frustrating men's basketball games you will ever see that actually ended with an Ohio State W. Gene, what the absolute f happened in that game in the last minute 38 seconds?
1: Yeah, you know, we got the, uh, we've been calling in our Slack group the Ohio State basketball experience, and we got every bit of that. So, uh, you know, they, oh they led they led wire to wire, you know, they never they never let up the lead, <laughs> but uh, you wouldn't know it based on, you know, how, you know, all of us and like I'm sure all of you at home were reacting to it just because, you know, it, it was one of those games where Ohio State felt like they were on the verge of a blowout win, and at the end it, it came down to a final shot.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to be doing throughout the uh, basketball postseason is after every game, we're going to be bringing you a quick, short 10 15 minute podcast where we recap the win and then talk about what game lies ahead until Ohio State cuts down the Nets and eventually wins the national championship. And then we know that their next game won't be till next season. So, we are talking about Ohio State's second round Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Ohio State won 79-75. As Gene mentioned, they did not trail in this game. They had the lead for 39 minutes and 40 seconds of the game. That's because it was tied nothing-nothing for the first 20 seconds. Gene, this means that Ohio State avenged its loss to the Golden Gophers in the Twin Cities on January 3rd when Minnesota won 77 to 60, which was a pretty stunning loss for Ohio State at the time. Um that was the only time they played Ohio State got Their revenge, but it was not easy. So rather than starting at the beginning of the game, let's start at the end of the game because that's where the real story is. With one minute and 38 seconds left in regulation, Justice Suing hit two free throws to put Ohio State up 12. Then Marcus Carr hit back-to-back buckets for Minnesota, a three-pointer and then a jumper that took Ohio State's lead down to seven. Kyle Young then got fouled and hit two free throws to give Ohio State a nine point lead with one minute and one second left. Now, with 13 seconds left, so Gene, maybe you can do the math for me. So that's what 48 seconds later, Ohio State's lead was a point. A single point. Ohio State did what it has done through much of this this season in uh in in a lot of games, wins or losses. They kind of crumbled down the stretch. You wrote the recap and the analysis for Lane Grant Hoyland, which is available now on the website. What the hell happened in that last minute to minute and a half that took what looked like a comfortable double-digit victory and turned it into a very, very frustrating nail biter?
1: Yeah, you know, I think kind of just what happened is, as as he usually has over his uh, Minnesota career, Marcus Carr kind of took over the game. Uh, Ohio State had got, done a really good job all game at kind of doubling him and and daring anybody else on the Gophers to beat them. They had a strong game plan coming in to keep him off the scoreboard, and and he finished with twenty four points, but it took him twenty four shots to get there. He finished seven of twenty four, and almost all of his makes
0: came in that final you know few minutes stretch. And yeah. so he had eleven point he had eleven points in the last minute forty.
1: Yeah, and so they did well defensively on him all game. Uh, Minnesota was not making shots overall as a team. They finished eight of thirty two from behind the arc. And it, it just, they, they played good defense up until the last few minutes. And then Marcus Carr, you know, just had that, that look in his eye and he started hitting those shots. He, st- he was hitting some tough shots. They weren't all, you know, wide open. There were a few mismatches and some open shots, but a lot of them were just contested shots and a guy that was hot. And, you know, that, that really hurt them towards the end. They did you know obviously missing Liam Robbins was big for Minnesota he was the big scorer in their last matchup that led to an Ohio State loss he finished with 27 in that Ohio State loss but you know he wasn't around this time the Minnesota had a little less size so Ohio State was really able to to dominate in the paint they wound up scoring 44 of their 79 points in the paint in this game so Ohio State a smaller team but had a had a good good day in the paint without uh, their starting center for Minnesota. And yeah, I think, you know, the de- defense at the end of these games for Ohio state just kind of breaks down. They kind of get comfortable. They had that 10 point lead with a few minutes left. I think they felt like they were, they were good. Minnesota was just going to kind of, you know, go through the motions to dribble it out. But to their credit, you know, they they didn't take their foot off the gas and they made it an interesting game as the, the clock hit zeros.
0: And what's really interesting about the way that Ohio state kind of crumbled down the end, they were not even getting shots. They only had Two field goal attempts in the last minute 45 of the game. Now, obviously, Minnesota started fouling uh, when they got it close towards the end, so that makes sense why they didn't have a chance to get field goals off. But they had, I mean, they had their last make with 324 left in regulation. Their next two shots were at 145 left and 118 left. They were both misses. So it's one of those things where I don't even know what to say about that down the stretch because they just kind of fell apart on offense. They couldn't do the things that they did all game. And one of the things that looked much better for Ohio State in the majority of this contest against Minnesota than it has in this recent four-game losing streak was they were sharing the ball better. They were moving without the ball better. They were cutting better. Um, We saw a lot of great... Uh, passes that led to a ton of dunks. I don't have the stat up in front of me. Let me I, I can pull it up here real quick. Yeah, they had seven dunks in this game, which is not something this Ohio State team does a ton of. So it did just kind of feel like they went into a shell down the end and weren't doing the things that gave them a double-digit, dozen-point lead with a minute and a half left. But they did win. So, Gene, let's talk a little bit about what got them the win, even if it was... Super stressful and really frustrating. Uh, in the last few minutes, they did have five players score in double figures, but I want to start with a guy who didn't have double figures, and that was Musa Jallo. Musa Jallo only played 12 minutes in this game, but he had eight points, and he came in and had some huge not only buckets, he had some great defensive moments. He was four for four from the floor, and we're going to talk about the bizarre flagrant foul they called on him. But in the podcast that went up in, in this very feed that I did with Joey Lane on Wednesday, Wednesday, he said, look for, for Chris Holtman to give Musa Jallo some extra minutes that he's been seeing recently, especially when they need a defensive stopper. He only played 12 minutes, but he made all 12 of those minutes count during this game, Gene.
1: Yeah, Musa Jalloh was awesome. You know, a lot of what he does doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but I thought he was a really uh, great player for Ohio State today off the bench. He, he provided a lot of energy. He's always great on the defensive end. He had one of the biggest plays of the first half where to close things out, he had a a fast break steal and a dunk to kind of give Ohio State that Mm -hmm. momentum going into the end of the first period. So that was obviously huge. And uh, yeah, he he played a really great game. Ohio State got a lot of, you know, good games from their role players in this one. Obviously, like, you know, C.J. Walker is not a a role player. He's a starter that they bring off the bench, but he obviously provided some big minutes off the bench. And Chris Holman really did look to rotate a lot of guys in this. You have to, uh, one of Ohio State's strengths coming into this tournament is their ability to kind of go 9 or 10 deep. And you really need that when you're going to play multiple games over multiple days, uh, God willing, if Ohio State you know, keeps this run going. But you, to win the Big Ten tournament, you're going to have to win a bunch of games in a row in very, few, in very little time. So being able to rotate these guys in, and if they could keep getting these performances from guys like Musa Jawa off the bench, that would be huge in continuing this Big Ten tournament run for them.
0: Yeah, we had heard that um, Justice Suing had some medical issues. His status for this game was not 100% clear until... Um, Thursday morning, early afternoon, when um, it was confirmed, it was actually early on Thursday morning, John Rothstein reported that Musajalo would be available for the game. He ended up leading the team in scoring, actually tied with, with Dwayne Washington Jr. with 16 points. Suing's been an interesting dude throughout the year because sometimes he's looked great scoring 16, 17 points. Sometimes he's been completely out of sorts. He... It did hit four field goals, but he also was seven for 11 at the free throw line. How how important is Justice Suing's production going to be in your mind for what Ohio State does in the rest of the Big Ten tournament and potentially into the NCAA tournament as well?
1: Yeah, Justice Suing is obviously a super important player for this team. And I actually I really like Justice Suing. But he has, he has these moments where he just kind of has these lapses in judgment at times. So, like, you know, we saw it obviously the biggest one was in the Michigan game when he threw the behind-the-back pass. Uh, and there's just sometimes on defense where he just kind of seems a little lost and, like, he'll let his man get by him pretty easily. But otherwise, you know, he's a very good scorer. He's good on both ends of the floor when when he's locked in. Uh, he had a great game today. I thought he had he led the team in rebounds with seven. So he looked really good out there. He did miss uh, two huge free throws down the stretch, which, you know, wasn't great. But I thought yeah. overall he played well. And then just going back to Washington, you know, Washington caught a lot of flack for the way he played at the end of the Illinois game. You know, he kind of forced some shots and took some shots early in the shot clock that he, he mm-hmm. shouldn't have in the end of that game. But he was really efficient today. He finished 6 of 9. He was tied with Suing with 16 nice. points. He had four assists. Yes, of course. Nice. Uh, and, yeah, he had four assists, uh, which was, you know, right on right behind Walker, who led the team with six. And both those guys are really the keys to Ohio State. Obviously, Liddell is their leading scorer, and he, he didn't have his greatest game today. He finished with 14 points on 5-14 shooting. But you know, to, to kind of take some of the stress off Liddell and needing to score and be the team's big man, it's really important that guys like uh, Suing and Washington play well at both ends of the floor for this team if they want to make a run in, in both this tournament and the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I had in that conversation that I had with Joey Lane earlier this week, it was really interesting to me. We, we had a conversation about how important big men were um, in this conversation with teams hoping to win conference and NCAA tournaments. And Joey said that really it's overblown um, because of the defensive matchups that a smaller four who is masquerading as a five in in Liddell um the the mismatches that he can create are more valuable than the ones that are created by him guarding a big um you know a true center like we're gonna see in Purdue or um or Illinois or Iowa um Michigan to a lesser degree but um You know, E.J. Liddell is going to be the guy who gets a lot of the attention. But to me, and I've said this on Twitter from the Land Grant account, like he's not the MVP of this team. Like Dwayne Washington Jr. is by far the most valuable player on this team in my mind because he can do it in a lot of different ways. Liddell, yes, can step out, but he is somebody who needs a lot of uh, of shots sometimes. Washington is somebody who... Is a, is a shooter, but he can also distribute. I, I really think Washington is the key to a lot of success because guard play is always super important when, when you get into the tournament. So I, I think that if Ohio State is going to be successful, they're going to need Washington to have more games like he had today against Minnesota against increasingly... Quality competition Um, and then anything that Liddell or suing or Kyle Young, who also had 11 points, anything that a wing or a a post player gives them is is bonus, but it's going to ride or die with Dwayne.
1: Yeah. This team, uh, Dwayne Washington is really the, the straw that stirs the drink with this team. It, this team is going to go as he goes. There are some games where Dwayne gets into his you know microwave mode where he can't miss, and then there's other games where he, he can't hit water if he fell off a boat. And depending on which Dwayne this team gets on any given night will probably give you a good indication of what the outcome is going to be. Tonight, he, he did it all. He, he shot well. He had some really good passes. Ohio State really built their lead early in the game with a bunch of nice alley-oops and dunks, of which Dwayne had both of... He had a, yeah. one on the passing end, a nice alley-oop, and he, uh, he had a dunk early on, which you don't really see from him all that often as a bit of a smaller guard. But yeah, I, I totally agree. If Wayne Washington isn't the most valuable player on this team, he's certainly the most important just because the, how he plays is is how this team is going to go. If he's having a good night, Ohio State's in good shape. If he's off, it's, it's going to be a struggle out there.
0: Yeah, he got a lot of flack from Ohio State fans at the end of January where he went for nine points against Wisconsin, uh, eight points against Mich- uh, Penn State, and eight points against Michigan State. Um, and people kind of thought, oh, he's – He's not very good. He shot like horribly. It was like five, four, 30 in those games combined. Doing the math really quickly, he looked really bad. But since then, he's been stellar, going for double digits in every game but one. That was the the Iowa game, getting thirty points against Michigan. Um, so I mean, I, I I'm constantly impressed by the growth that we've seen from him over three years. That's not to say anything bad about EJ Liddell, who's had a Tremendous sophomore season. I'm excited about having both of them back next year, hopefully. Um, But that does mean that with Ohio State's win on Thursday, they are going to need to uh, get production from just about everybody on the team because that means they are taking on number four, Purdue. Uh, in what I guess is the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament on Friday. They played Purdue twice this season. The first game was in mid-December on the 16th. It was at Mackey Arena. They lost 67-60. to Then they played again in mid-January about a month later on the 19th. They lost 67-65 to um, uh, at Value City Arena. Neither team got to 69. So I guess the Tate and, uh, and Titus idea of getting to 69 to win... Um, didn't come into play there, but what is Ohio State going to have to do against Purdue, who has some of those big men that we talk about? Uh, we talked about earlier. What is Ohio State going to need out of this team to get another signature win and essentially cement a number two seed in the NCAA tournament on Friday afternoon?
1: Yeah, and in both of those first two meetings, they they really got killed by Purdue forward Travion Williams. Uh, Williams is a very good player. He's probably one of the best passing bigs in the conference, if not in the country. Um, he, he plays like he, he passes like a guard. He makes some crazy, you know, behind the back, no look passes and it's tough to guard him because he could score so well. So once he gets down in the paint, you're really like Ohio State's looking to double him cause he's got size on him. But once you do that, he just finds a way to slip these passes through the lane and get it out to a guard or someone for a three. And he's just able to kill you in so many ways. So it's obviously, you know, th- there's not a guy on Purdue that Ohio State's going to have to guard like Marcus Carr. They don't really have a, a high scoring, uh, electric, Kind of guard like that, but Travion Williams is their guy. That's going to be the one they're going to want to focus on, but it is going to be a tougher to guard. It's it's tougher to have a game plan defensively against a guy like that who's also so good at passing and creating opportunities for his teammates rather than a guy like Carr where you're really just worried about him, you know, dropping 30 on you. So. It's going to be interesting. Um, like you said, Ohio State's held them to 67 both times. So if they could do that again, but maybe win the yeah. race to 69, uh, it'll be a good a good day for them. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, they've, they've played both of the games they played against Purdue have been very winnable games. Uh, it wasn't like the Iowa game that Ohio State played recently where they got blown out. Ohio State was in both of those games late and had a few shots, you know, gone one way or another. The game could have, the outcome could have been different. But, uh, you know, Ohio State's seen this team twice. Uh, it's tough to beat the same team three times in in one year, so Ohio State has that going for them. And I'm sure you know they're hungry to avenge this loss uh, as more than they were the one loss against Minnesota that came like a year ago.
0: Well, I want to do a real quick run through some of these other stats um, just to kind of put a cap on the Minnesota victory. I said there were five players in uh, double digits for Ohio State. I mentioned Washington and Suing both had 16. E.J. Liddell had 14. Kyle Young had 11. C.J. Walker off the bench had 10. What's interesting, he did not start this game. Uh, Justin Arns did, but Arns only played 18 minutes while Walker played 30. So it kind of looked more like the rotation of before Walker injured um, his uh, thumb thumb ligament. So um, Arns has pretty much disappeared down the stretch this season after looking like one of the best shooters in the country. It would be nice to have him kind of find his hot streak again at some point in the postseason. One thing that was a little concerning, um, Ohio State had 15 turnovers in this game. They had a lot early in, in the game, they are only averaging a little over 10 per game, so they had 50% more turnovers effectively in this game than they do normally. That's a big deal to look for. Um, Ohio State did give up 20 second chance points to Minnesota in this game, which is not usually a recipe for success. But like you mentioned, they had 44 points in the paint, which is super interesting for a team that doesn't have a ton of traditional bigs. Obviously, Liddell and Young can score down low. But they, like I said, they had seven dunks. Um, one of those, I think, is a quote, an air quote dunk from Arns. Um, um, one of his very few two-point attempts on the season. It was more like a layup. It looks like he was afraid to touch the rim, but it ended up being a really good game um, for a lot of guys. That but that last minute and a half really, really was scary. And I don't know about you, as you were writing that recap, but I was on Twitter and like a lot of fans, I just kind of assumed the worst um for from the last minute and a half of this game,
1: yeah, I, I generally assume the worst when things like that start to happen, especially from you know what we've seen from this Ohio State team as of late. I'm sure you know, the thoughts of that losing streak were starting to creep into their minds late in that game, but they were able to get it done. Um just going back to the turnovers, their fifteen turnovers were actually the second most they've had all year. They only they only had more than that yeah. once more against Penn State earlier in the year. so that that was a little uncharacteristic. There were a lot of those. And yeah, I mean, Ohio State would love to get something from Justin Ahrens. He has really done almost nothing in the past five games, including this one. He's hit three threes over that five-game stretch. And if he's not hitting threes, he doesn't really do a ton else out there on the court. He's okay at best defensively. And like you said, he he doesn't shoot two-pointers. So if he's not hitting threes, he's not providing much out there. And that's probably why we see, you know, Walker getting more of those minutes than him, especially in crunch time. And so and it's not really his fault per se. Teams are really stuck on him like glue out there defensively because they know how much of a sharpshooter he yeah. is from three. but if, they, if he could start getting going again and start knocking some shots down, that'll be big for Ohio State moving forward. And yeah, you know they just gotta they got to clean some things up. Obviously rebounding is is tough to fix when you're just a smaller team, but they obviously would love to not let up so many second chance points. It kills you to have to play defense twice or three times on one possession. It's hard enough to get one stop in a row than it is two or three. But yeah, so, you know, just just the little things, it, it all adds up to wind up in a game where you're winning by 10 the whole game and it comes down to a, a final shot at the buzzer. It's just, you got to clean some things up. I'm sure Holtman will get his guys ready to go and they've got another one to bounce back and get out there tomorrow and win one.
0: Yeah, so Ohio State will play on Friday in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament. The game will be slated for probably roughly 2 o'clock like it was on Thursday. How this works is they will play 25 minutes after the conclusion of the number one Michigan versus number eight Maryland game. Maryland beat Michigan State in uh, the second round in the first game of the day on Thursday. So it'll be Maryland versus Michigan at 11:30 a.m. on but on the Big Ten Network. Ohio State versus number Purdue, which will be the four or five matchup, will be 25 minutes later. And then in the evening, number two, Illinois, will face the winner of number seven, Rutgers, and number 10, Indiana, which will play on Thursday night, probably around the time that this podcast gets published. And then in the nightcap on Friday, number three, Iowa, will play the winner of Thursday night's game between number six, Wisconsin, and number 11, Penn State. Gene, this was fun. You want to do it again tomorrow? Yeah, I'd like to.
1: Hopefully, in a you know, just as chipper of an attitude as we are today. Well,
0: maybe hopefully more. Maybe we don't have to have is a, true? a minute I'd half. like
1: to write a recap that I don't have to stress down the, down the stretch like that.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. it. Can we just have a nice, easy win at some point, please?
1: Also, and before we wrap up, the the, the flagrant foul on Musajala. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about these. Sorry. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in a basketball game. This man literally got called for a flagrant foul on a box out.
0: I mean, I understand the definition of the flagrant foul is like excessive contact or something and i understand why that looked like it was bad the guy was up in the air musa was you know had his butt and i'm like you do when he's boxing out i don't think anything in that that replay though shows that he knew that the guy was in the air when he made contact with him i think he was just trying to get position and he's so played that up when he was laying on the floor. I don't remember who the guy who got the foul call was, but he was laying on the ground acting like he was hurt. He was probably hurt. He took a little bit of a shot, but man, that was LeBron level. That was, it was Trevor Lawrence. It was a Trevor Lawrence fiesta bowl move. Yeah, it was just, it was brutal. I mean, it was really brutal. And then of course, Ohio state had the, the flagrant foul called on Minnesota, where again, don't remember who it was um, for Minnesota went up for a layup or a dunk. And with his offhand, um, kind of punched EJ Liddell in the face. That was far more uh, egregious of a flagrant foul. Unfortunately, and they called it, but there were a few others that they could have called as well, but um, Big Ten refs, man. And I mean, I know technically there's no such thing as Big Ten refs because they work regions and they can work for multiple conferences, but Big Ten refs. Gotta love them. Can't live with them, can't live without them. Do you gotta love them? No. I, you I'm don't. not sure if you'd you have don't. to. <laughs> thank you all for listening to this episode of land grant holy land podcast Postseason basketball edition if you're finding this podcast on the website landgrantholyland.com please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we are by far bringing you the most unique and varied perspectives in the entire ohio state podcasting universe for better or for worse so you don't want to miss out also don't forget to follow land grant holy land on twitter at landgrant33 you can find me at bww matt gene where can people find you
1: you can find me on twitter at gene underscore
0: ross and also occasionally on the
1: land grant account so
0: find us there there you go thanks for listening everybody we will talk to you tomorrow friday afternoon at some point and as always go bucks